Good afternoon, Alex. Hey, Lance. How's it doing? It's doing. <laughs> hey, uh, quick announcement, couple announcements. Uh, last time on the podcast, we talked about uh, making spreadsheets, um, basically for estimating how much your building can will cost. Um, I took the one that I made based off of the NAHB, uh, and then I put it on the website inside the firm for you. I changed the numbers, so you guys won't know our numbers. Um, but basically, you can grab that. That was episode seven. Um, if you want to use it as a resource, feel free. You can just download it? I'm not yeah. even aware of this, so educate me as well. Yeah, so there's a picture, and it says, click here to download. Oh, cool. Download so it just goes it. to a link or something from Dropbox, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, no. you just It's just websites. Oh, how a, it works. Wow. It just downloads. Wow, this is, that's the internet. <laughs> Who knew? Welcome. Who knew Welcome to F9. I Welcome to Inside the Firm. you can do that. Yeah. Crazy. And then last time, um, we were fumbling for terms, um, and we have a Twitter follower. Bring that closer to me so I don't have to. Oh, sorry. Thank that's, you. That's what you're motioning. Yep. So Adam uh, Mayberry at, at <laughs> Adam <laughs> what Smayberry. Adam Smayberry. Hilarious. Awesome. He he said he said lending types is hard money lending. So that's the interest only return. So that's kind of what you want. So that's what when we talked about when you ask for two hundred thousand and you say I'll give you fifteen percent, right? Hard money lending, interest return only. Or the other one is investing partner, right? And then that's where they're going to probably try to ask for more. Um, that's maybe where you're using their credit. That's where uh, they're probably involved. So they might be a 50-50 partner. So that's where that 50 number comes from. Got it. You know, so you're looking for hard money. And then I was talking back and forth on him with him. And he goes, yeah, he really enjoyed the show. It's real talk on real projects. I go, that should be our tagline. And he goes, TM. (laughs) (laughs) So now you have royalties coming at you, Mayberry. Yep. Yep. (laughs) However much we make (laughs) on this podcast, you can have a hundred percent of it. Um, so that's it. And then last time we teased you, we asked a question, um, to uh, this time it's going to be Evan Troxel. Uh, and he's gonna, we're gonna go ahead and play his response to the question that we had uh, last podcast. So, and which, we, well, just inform everybody. No, he'll he'll say it. He'll recap. Oh, he actually says he, he's like he's been on television before and he's and he's yeah. uh, done that. Okay, great. Here we go. All right. So this question is a two part question sent to me from Alex Gore of F Nine Productions and the Inside the Firm podcast. And the question starts off with this piece, which is, what is the worst advice you have ever gotten in your career? And I assume this means my career in architecture, uh, because I've done a lot of different things. I've taught, and I've done my own design build. I've worked for different companies. I've kind of done a bunch of different things. And so I have never been a person to seek advice from anybody else. And so I have a real hard time thinking about what the worst advice is that I've ever gotten. The thing that I think stands out to me, and this doesn't exactly answer the question, but I'm going to riff on this for a minute, is that the people who just go along with what they're given are the ones who end up with what they didn't want. I've always been the kind of person who has thought that I have to design my career because I will never be happy with what somebody gives me. And so I would think that one of the worst things that people can do in their careers is just show up and just do whatever shows up on your desk that day or for that project and leave it at that. And so I've definitely been uh, not guilty of, but that's happened to me in the past where you just kind of get stuck in a rut and you end up just showing up every day and clocking in and clocking out and not treating it uh, as 
as if it were a career or a passion. Uh, it's just more of a job. And so uh, the worst advice is probably just not seeking anything besides just showing up. Uh, the best advice that I've ever gotten, again, I've never seeked advice from anybody, and I know that a lot of people have given opinions, and typically, I guess the reason why I should stipulate is because the reason I don't go after advice is because typically uh, what I've found by working with people is that they think you should do it how they did it, and I am, do not subscribe to that at all. Again, I would rather design my own path, and so uh, the advice that I would probably give myself is number one, to design your own path and figure out what works for you and what makes you uh, not just happy, but fulfilled and feel like you're doing something meaningful and making an impact. I think that's the one word that I've decided this year is something that matters to me the most is impact. I want to make an impact. And so I do it, I try to do it in a lot of different ways, whether it's through the Arca Speak podcast or through the book that I wrote, which is ARE Hacks, or through uh, any number of things. So in the office, uh, at home, with my family, with my kids, opening up experiences to them, uh, I want to make an impact in their lives so that they can do things better than I did, right? So not only just making an impact, but I would follow that up with be useful. I think that a lot of people don't think like that. And so therefore, they're just kind of, like I said, clocking in and clocking out and just checking the boxes along the day, but actually figure out how to be useful. And the last thing that has to do with doing well in your career, I think, is anticipation. Always anticipating. What does your team need? What do your clients need? What does your firm need? Where does it need to go? Thinking more long-term, thinking, playing the long game, uh, but really anticipating what's next and what's needed, whether it's in the moment, uh, whether it's making dinner in the kitchen and you need to get food on the table quick because you're, you're, you're busy, is anticipating that, or whether it's in your career, and figuring out how to make things go as smoothly as possible along the way. And I think a lot of people don't really have a strategy with that. They just kind of react. And I'd much rather be able to anticipate where things need to be. And you don't always guess right, but I think that more often than not, you're way more useful if you are in that kind of state of mind. So that's it. Thanks for the questions, guys. I really appreciate it. Loving the podcast. Talk to you soon. Uh, so what did I think? Uh I thought it was. I thought it was an excellent response. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Evan. Ethan, Evan. Evan Troxel. Yeah. Yep. Uh, of Arky Speak. Yeah. That that was fantastic. Um, I'm. A, I also don't go out and seek advice. So I. I am right. I'm right with you there, Evan. A hundred percent. Um, I, I don't do. I and, and for the exact same reasons that that you don't do it either. Is I think you end up hearing what people. People just basically tell you what you should do. Um, and it sounds like you're you're kind of like Alex and I, where we just don't like to be told what to do, and we just kind of make our own path. So spot on. I, I mean, you should we should have you on the podcast more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. At, at, at great. At first, I was like, oh. it, it was just amazing, amazing answer. And as I probably mentioned before, I hated taking advice from from my teachers because I didn't want to do what they wanted to do. But I think a, a caveat. I think I'm now more seeking more advice, and I just know I don't have to listen to them whatsoever. Like if this was terrible advice by Evan, which it wasn't, like you don't have to listen to it. So maybe that that's the caveat. You know what? I have a quick so and I, I would add a, a little story caveat onto that too. So yesterday, um, yesterday there was a uh, contractor slash superintendent who's been doing some of our custom houses. He came into the office, really nice guy. He was actually formally trained as an architect for about a year and a half, come to find out. 
Um, first time I've ever met him, but he, he complimented us and just gushed over our drawings the first time he saw them, which was a couple months ago. Um, so he comes to the office, he meets Alex and I, and then he offers to take me out to lunch. And uh, I didn't refuse. I, I took, you know, I went, went on that, went on that little um, adventure with him. And it was great because this was, a, I felt like he was just there to give me as much information as I wanted about, about stuff. So he, he was also, he asked, he asked me questions about what we were doing and then encouraged, encouraged, encouraged me about the development. He said, you know, he says, well, it sounds like you guys are on the right path and stuff. But I think that it's one thing to get advice from people unexpectedly and get unsolicited advice. I can't stand unsolicited advice, but it's quite another to where you're in that kind of, uh, you know, you you know, you're not going into the meeting looking for advice, but then if it comes out sort of organically and naturally, and you're asking those questions and just conversation, I feel like that's when advice is well taken for people. Yeah. So I don't know. Don't ever turn. I posted this yesterday on my personal Facebook page. Uh, if you're offered free lunch or free drink, and I hesitate with drink because who knows, <laughs> but free lunch for sure with like a colleague, a professional colleague, uh, take, take, take them up on that and then just pick their brain, especially if they're an older, older, wiser person who's not overbearing. I think that's the, somehow you have to figure out through their energy, you know, you just sitting there with them, like, is this person going to be an old curmudgeon who is just overbearing and is going to tell me, oh, you should just do it this way yep. instead of just telling you how they did it. You know, if they tell you how they did it and then you do what Alex said is know that you don't have to take their advice. Like once you, you have to get a comfortability there in, in order for, I think, for you to take to be able to take any, any kind of advice like that. I, I, I think so. We teach and we tell kids what to do all the time. Um, and I hope we say this caveat. If not, Lance, you got to remind me um, because we give them advice and they need to take the advice unless they have a better idea. Because some kids don't take the advice and they have a worst idea or they just they don't listen or they don't improve. But that's only about 5%, right? The majority listen, take it, and then apply it and with their own kind of way. And then the top 5% have their own crazy idea that's even better than whatever we could come up with. Um, so did, do you have any nuggets from that guy? Oh, that, that I met with yesterday? His name yeah. is Alan, by the way. Yeah. So we're just not throwing out a ghost name. Uh no, the only nug- the only nugget was he said is he he just, he just kind of echoed what Alex and I have have you know not been preaching on this podcast, but talking about on this podcast about the more hats you wear and the more hats you you are comfortable wearing and, and and more responsibility you take on the, the rewards will come back in dividends compared to just wearing one hat like maybe just being an architect and that's okay for anybody who's listening who just wants to be an architect too I think but just know that. Really, it, as much as you take on, that's how much you're going to get back in the end, too, for better and for worse. Yeah, because um, if you're taking on, you're taking on more responsibility, more stress. Oh, here's a nugget. More, here's then one nugget. more reward. Yep. Uh, so we got to talking about clients. And this was coming from him. <laughs> He's like, clients are a pain in the ass. I'm like, yeah, but they pay the bills. And he goes, yeah, but they pay the bills. And obviously, Alex and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of our awesome clients. Uh, we love them. But... Some of them can be very trying. And so he says when he, you know, he vets everybody very heavily when he goes to take on a client. Like if he goes to take on a new, a new house he's going to build or something, he vets the person and tries to see if there's any, we've, we, we've, I think we've mentioned this before a lot, going out there and seeing if there's any litigious things that they've done before in the past. And then also getting a good feel for their personality. And he said, he said, but sometimes you can just tell they're going to be more work. He said, so I, I add an aggravation fee to it, to the bid. 
Yeah. And he said, he said, I'm not joking either. He said, I actually add like a percentage because I know I'm going to be just aggravated by it. And that's the thing that keeps me in check the whole time from being overreactionary. Because he's like, I got paid for that. I got paid for that. I got paid for I that. I got paid for that. Yeah. Mm. So, and I, I can't think of a, there's been a couple, I think there's two projects where I've done that. Um, I've done that for myself too, or not for myself, but for the firm where I've tacked on an extra thousand or so when I just know yeah. it's going to be a pain in the butt. And then it's kept me in check 100%. So I think there's some like, some like, there's like a unwritten psychology there yeah. that happens. It, it's weird. Uh, in, in, in a good economy, like I feel like you can add on, it's probably not more than 5%. It's probably like a one to 2% adjustment. He said 10, but he, he's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. Real numbers. I wish you were at that lunch. That guy was fantastic. Next time, next time he comes up, we're going to, I think we'll take him out to lunch. Yeah. But he, he's, so this guy is like a, he started, um, he started building in, uh, he was trained as formally as an architect then, and he moved all over cause he was in, I think the air force. And then he became basically a mechanical engineer. And then he, did, and then he said, and then he became a builder and he said he did two different kinds of building. He did industrial, and then he said he he did residential just so he could stay creative. Because he's like, I I just that's my my passion is to be creative. And he's like, I'm an architect at heart. Yeah, I was just at David's, and there was this drawing. David's David is our structural engineer. Yep, um, there was this drawing of this foundation. I go, this is great. This is you know like it wasn't overly done. It was just perfect straight lines. It was an axonometric. Um, it had the 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 um, sorry, my phone's buzzing. It had the the walls, the wood frame walls on top of the concrete, you know, where you do the, what's the word I'm looking for? When the foundation like breaks and goes down. You're stepping it. Yeah, when a step foundation. <laughs> there you go. It's uh, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. We're recording this early, by the way. So. Yeah. And I've been, it's, I've been, I couldn't go to the lunch because I've just been swamped these past couple of days, this whole weekend. Um, but essentially, his drawings were so good and it makes sense that that he was an architect to begin with or you know studied as one oh this is you saw alan's drawings and david goes that's that's alan yeah yeah he knows what he's doing yeah for sure for sure so Uh, anyway so i thought there was two really great points that evan brought up and i don't want to gloss over them because i think they're very powerful and one was the worst advice was just go along and i don't think anyone gives you this advice i think it's what you naturally do i think you're kind of we're kind of indoctrinated at this point as like a society in that you know you oh gotta go to school then you gotta get your then you come out you're gonna get a job nine to five but even though ever nobody stays at a job anymore except your dad for like 40 years and then exactly. retires. yeah yeah but that's the older generation so this happened to me in in my military career basically i was in the national guard for seven years and it didn't come in the beginning it actually came in the middle so i think you have to stay vigilant the whole time so what happened i got in the army when i was 17 my brother was already in so he started training me at home right so then when I went to basic training, training you at home. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I knew all the marches, the steps, the, you know, how, you know, how to salute perfectly, everything. Um, it was insane. And then, and then I'd wake up at four or five in the morning, get an army backpack, fill it for, full of books, do a like five mile hike. Um, but you know, before even going to basic training, I uh, graduated in the top five percent that's of basic training they only do that who knows could have been could have been number one could have been number two (laughs) (laughs) and then after that you go to advanced individual training right and then uh this was crazy what happened because i don't think that drill sergeants are not nice people in general Mm -hmm. i mean maybe in private they're probably sweethearts Sure. sure right but uh the last day in front of the whole platoon actually it was three platoons it was a company they go 
I got to not swear. They were obviously swearing. But all you, you know, talking yeah. to everyone. Maggots. Yep. <laughs> there we go. All you maggots should apologize, should effing apologize to Private Gore and this one other kid that I can't remember his name. Because they did so many push-ups because of your dumb. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great. They realized that, like, I really didn't mess up whatsoever. Um, so, but, but anyway, so I, I was, I was doing really well. Then I got to a unit in Fargo, uh, and basically as a, a private, it was something I didn't want to do. And I, I basically just went along and I went along for a couple years and I didn't realize that I just went along and I really, really, really regret it. And then towards the end, when I realized I only had a couple years left, I kind of kicked it back up. I became a corporal. I was in charge of people entering the army and then going into basic training and all that. And then was all just a, a terrorist on those kids, uh, which was pretty cool. So it, just be vigilant through your whole career and notice when, when, when something like that is happening. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How, yeah, and I don't know how you. I don't know how you turn the switch and. Every year, ask yourself: Are you designing? Are you designing your career? There you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, yeah. maybe you should have like a moment of self-reflection every, like on your birthday or something. That would be a good day to do it. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> and then, so I thought designing your own career was good because I think we do that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one, and I thought this was good for everyone, but especially in, in employees, because this is honestly this is what your bosses are looking for all the time: to be useful and to anticipate, like useful anticipation yeah like that's every time i got a drawing like did you dimension everything where you know like there's columns are there dimensions to the columns like it's not useful to me unless there's dimensions to the columns. and i think there's a limit to it too you shouldn't you you don't want you don't want to you don't want to spend you don't want to spin your reels like for four hours when you could have been you you know investigating things or thinking about things too much right there's a limit to it but definitely when it's done when it's done within the limits it, it's awesome because a good employee will will catch some like maybe some serious code violations yep. or hey it looks like we might be infringing on like a bulk plane or a zoning a zoning infraction and i'm anticipating you know here's what's going to happen here here's but i have a solution for it that's how about that if they catch a problem yep. and then they've already anticipated the solution for us that's even i mean gives us a way more com you know much more confidence in you as an employee but b it's less that we have to deal with cuz we're already juggling 50 balls at one at one time at, as an employer as a principal yeah but i have to admit i think it is hard for employees too because it, it's hard to know when to stop and when to go into that d detail and that just comes through experience i think so yeah yeah 100% yep okay so anybody else? Did you want? Did you were you going to encourage anybody else to send in a answer the same thing or not? Or well, I need to physically email them. Because oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but I think coming up next, hopefully, I'm going to get uh, Mark LePage. Um, so oh, that'd be great. Yep. Hopefully, he'll be up next next week. So, what's on the docket next, Sal? What are we going to talk about next? So, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about uh, landing Trenton store, going from residential to commercial work. And and more than that, I think it's uh, how do you how could you if you're if you're a young budding architecture architect or designer or even uh, just a business owner in general and or you know you're a student in school and you're thinking about you're you're already amped up about when I get out of school I'm going to start my own business I'm going to start my own firm what could I do to prepare myself for that besides you know study business and stuff like that or or your profession that you're doing architecture engineering and so. What I want to talk about is how can you plant seeds as a student for future commissions? So 
uh, and and my, it might be consciously or subconsciously. So I think consciously, <clears throat> I I tried to do that with my thesis. So uh, in graduate school, uh, Alex and I both did planning theses, and Alex's maybe was subconscious in the way the way his came around to like hopefully real world work or real world um, recognition through newspapers and stuff. But mine was absolutely one hundred percent like. I was convinced that, uh, so I, what I did was a 12-year master plan for my hometown, and I was genuinely interested in how can I transform this community? Because it, uh, coming from a town of only 500 people, uh, being the first in my family to have anything beyond an associate's degree, you know, let alone bachelor's or master's, I just felt <clears throat> the responsibility, and then being a Native American too, I felt the responsibility to give back to the community that sort of lifted me up and helped me get um, to the point where I could graduate successfully. So uh, what the, my 12-year master plan, it, it was all-encompassing on the whole neighborhood or the whole, the whole community. And there was, uh, we were you know, going to redo all of these, these sites um, in the community and stuff like that. So uh, what I did was <clears throat> one of the sites was the old Trenton store. So there was in this town of 500 people, there's only one general store, and that kind of took care of everything. And it burnt down. And this is after, you know, this was, so I did this master plan. You know, it did really well in school and beat out Alex and all that stuff. Barely. <laughs> Barely. But, but um, what it did was it It's laid, probably residual finger cutting votes from you slicing your that's finger. True. That's, that's true. probably. This. Oh, one, one way. So when I, when I, after I was done with the thesis, what I did is I, the first thing I did is I sent, there was, I redid the lake. So it was like, a, if anybody's ever heard of a. Uh, Oxbow Lake. What that is is, like, it's where I where I'm from in Northwest North Dakota. There's there's the Missouri River and it bends like it curves all over it the winds. place, right? It winds. That's the word I'm looking for. Well, sometimes um, one of the winds or like the oxbows or the horseshoe shapes of the river will get cut off from the rest, and then a lake is created. So I grew up on a lake like that, and over the years, I just kept getting more sediment. Sediment kind of gets crappy and deoxygenated. So part of my thesis was to redo that. So right after I was done with my thesis, I, I sent it over to um, the Game and Fish, and they got they they were actually really excited about it. Never got really any traction or anything like that, but that just by doing that and that people were actually interested in what I was doing, um, and somebody in the real world, it started getting me thinking like, oh, I bet I'm sure I could, I think I could leverage I could somehow leverage all this work that I've done in a real world application. So jump to 2013 or 2014. Uh, in between, uh, I think in 2013 or 2012, uh, that store burnt down and that store had been there for almost a hundred years. So all of a sudden this town that I grew up in, this, uh, has no general store and there has been rumors going around that they were going to rebuild it and not rebuild it. And this was in the middle of the oil boom up there and everything was kind of crazy and it was hard to take anybody seriously. Um, but my dad ended up getting me a contact of the people who own the land and I contacted them, and they said <clears throat> that they were planning to rebuild the store, um, and that they had some preliminary preliminary plans. Well, one of the one of my critiques uh, about the whole oil field is that basically they think they can just put up shops, um, and literally like a Quonset. That, there's no other word. There's like 40 by 80 foot metal building that just looks like junk, and they're going to call that like the focal point of the town, right? And this 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 uh, little general store really is like the center of the community. People go there for coffee in the morning. Everybody gets their gossip out. Uh, it's kind of a community meeting place. Everybody gets their food and all that stuff. So um, 
what I so I contacted the those the the owners of the land and they they said uh, they gave me the contact for the person who's kind of in charge of possibly hiring an architect, and so I. I started thinking ahead, okay, I already got the site. I can go back in my old files from my from school. I can take the site, put it into Revit, and I already know what the community wants. I know that they just want their old store. They want their old store back, but they want it modernized. So I quickly put together that night um, a set of floor plans and a perspective and, and then posted it on Facebook and asked uh, and asked for input from the community. Got a huge overwhelming response. I think it got over 100 likes and a couple hundred comments. People were all excited again. They're asking me. They thought they thought I was going to build it. <laughs> but what then what I was able to do with that, I had so I had all this energy from the community behind me and that like they already made up their decision. And what I was going into this meeting, so then I had a meeting uh, I think later on that week with the person who was going to be eventually in charge of hiring the architect, the engineers and the people to do the building. And I emailed him preemptively. I said, hey, this is in, in anticipation of our phone call today. Um, check out what I've been up to on Facebook. Here's, I've got, you know, I already know this is what the community wants. And, um, and how, can we make it, how can we make it happen? He was so convinced after that phone call and out of all the energy that we had that he said, send me a proposal. Um, so we ended up having, to, we were kind of like the architects of record for design. And then one of our buddies who owns a firm, uh, shout out Jared Tugood. We partnered with them, and then they were the architects of record on the ground um, to get it done up there because we weren't licensed up in North Dakota at the time. So um, I think that's one example. <laughs> I didn't even let you get a word in, now right. of, of how it could go. But uh, and we even tell our students at CU Boulder this too, especially the bridge students. So we have they either do a bridge or a house in one of our in the engineering class that we teach, and some of them pick bridges in the, from their hometown that are decrepit and they need to be redone. And we tell them at, during the process, or at, hopefully at the end when they do a great job, hey, do not be afraid to contact yep. people in the city and see if you can get traction going on even the discussion of the building. Because it's a long process to get work. Like sometimes it's years before people get back to us and then they finally decide to build. Yep. And it's, it's always good to have those contacts. So one guy designed um, a bridge from uh, the campus of Oregon to the, to the stadium. And I go, you should show it to them because he wanted to replace it because he saw that they had a, a crappy little bridge that, you know, was deteriorating. They're probably looking to replace that bridge. You know, they might want it. And it was a really, really cool design. So don't be afraid, uh, even, even, you know, at school to really put yourself out there in the professional world. Um, even, even if you're unlicensed. And, and so let's say you have an idea for a, some kind of new commercial downtown thing. You don't have to say that you're a licensed architect. You're not coming out like that. It's more about you showing that you have good ideas. And if the the ideas can permeate can permeate into their brain and then come back to yep. three years later, oh, by the way, do you remember this guy? And then maybe you're working at a firm and you can bring that work into your firm and kind of start leapfrogging, yeah. jumping up the ladder. Yeah. So uh, my real thesis, and then I have a secret thesis. Oh, nice. So I didn't even know about this. The real one, basically I was connecting in, in Minneapolis. I was connecting the community through alleyways and I was putting houses in there to increase density. And one of them, um, turned out to be the future flood house. So basically when North Dakota got hit with another flood really big, I took that house because it was elevated and then I transformed it and then did some more renderings so that it showed how it could fight a flood, how it could have like a boat dock on and the he, back. And he, he did that uh, at our firm in, I think, 2012. Yep. 
submitted it to the paper. <clears throat> they put it in there, um, got its traction there. Then that translated into one of the doomsday houses because it protected against one of the four elements. Um, so that that was kind of, I like you said, subconscious, right? Yeah. But the conscious one, my backup thesis, so when I was choosing in between was to do the master plan for um, the University of Minnesota in Rochester, which they're, which they're building, which would have worked out with that other firm that I turned down in New York because they came and did the master plan for Rochester. No so, kidding. So what a crazy, like, there's a there's this whole second, I got to meet this other Al Gore who took all these other decisions. <laughs> <laughs> See what he's like. Uh, but I didn't want to move back to Rochester, and, and thus that didn't happen. So... Um, I have a question for you and then advice. Is there anything you would steer clear of if you're thinking about your thesis, if you're a student? Is there, or, or is it more don't steer clear of? It's more... Think I, w- how I wouldn't do it. Nah, I almost said I wouldn't do a church. But that's just our university. They don't allow... They pretty much stopped churches, I think, the two, two years before we got, the, got to do our thesis. And it wasn't anti-church. It was one guy probably four years before us, did a super sick church. It was, it was incredible. It was amazing. It, this, and, this was when, like, photorealistic running first came out, too. So yeah. I don't know how much that played into it, but it, it was it was incredible. And honestly, the rendering, I still remember it vividly because it was that, that good, is still better than a lot of what people are producing yeah, right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Easily. I'd agree with that. Um, so then everyone wanted to do a church <laughs> because they wanted to be cool. Oh, that's why. It, so so uh, I, I'll talk about why I actually hesitated because I hesitated – to say that, and I kind of retract it because, um, what if you did do a church? What if what if there was a good? What if there was a church that was the center of a community, and say it was like in a very poor part of the part of the country or something, and your renderings were enough to be able to convince donors to donate to the church, yeah. and then you, and then somehow your firm lands the commission, and maybe it's pro bono work or something. I don't know, but I was I think almost anything with. There's there's something to be said about helping like the underprivileged or um, finding finding a niche like you did where you put these houses in an alley like finding the opportunity. Yeah. So I was gonna say like oh maybe don't do a museum but then there's probably someone who can do a really bossy museum and like they they should do it. I was gonna say don't do a mixed use building because they're kind of bland they kind of you know they all look the same if you're doing it kind of realistic. So but it's someone who's doing mixed use might really want someone who kind of thought through all these things. So I would say maybe there's not don't do's, but there are do's. do's. And the do's are, uh, God, what's this first part? The, one of the do's I have two. I can't read my own writing, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, make it stick. Oh no, no. First, first one is do it well, do it well, because that's key. Because if you do it, if you do a junkie one, it doesn't matter. So that's one. Number two is make it stick. So one of the books Lance and I read back in school, and I'm sure there's other books that you could find, but it was one we did, The Skyscraper. It's called Made to Stick. Um, Dale and Chip Heath, maybe. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. And you need to package your idea so that people can remember it. So you need to remember that you're marketing. You're, you're not just doing architecture. You're marketing to your professors, but then you're marketing to uh employers and then maybe to the public if you're doing a, a church or something like that so don't forget marketing and and the book made to stick basically goes through um different points of makes what what makes something stick in your head and again i'm sure there's other books too but that's a good place to start so there's do's 
and I don't know if I have too many don'ts because I always I always try to convince our friend Blake like you need to do a jail. I thought it'd be awesome if you would do a jail <laughs> <laughs> because designers don't really focus on it. They, they don't really focus. Know. I think I, and I think with without the only thing I would add to that is if you can just find something that is absolutely needed, it's hard to not for people to not buy into that emotionally. Um, I'll give you one don't, and this is just a maybe with a caveat. People pavilions. Nope. Oh. <laughs> maybe that one. Um, the bo- the the border wall that isn't a wall, and maybe it's way more important now. But I remember back even when we were in in college, every, like it was more international. It was more these big firms are like, oh, we'll just we'll do a river, and then that will separate, and then everything will be fine. I'm like, I just never bought that oh, idea. Here's another one. Yeah. Uh, when we like two years after we graduated, somebody somebody did a zombie, uh, like. I thought it was cool. It, it was, was, it was awesome. It was incredible. So I, when we went back to our annual fishing trip, uh, I I had to go to Fargo because I had to go do this thing for the thesis winners or something. And then Alex and everybody else stayed back. But I came back, and then I showed them like all the thesis winners from this last year, from that year, not this last year. And one of them was a zombie apocalypse like retreat center or something. I don't know. Like it's a it was like a fortress, like a yeah. doomsday dwelling you know or for you know for protecting against zombies probably avoid that because it's not a real problem <laughs> cool. but it <laughs> but it was designed well so everything that we it say was designed well that to avoid unless you can design it well and make it stick i would still avoid for some reason like that whole wall thing but maybe it's way more important now because of trump and everything so who i knows? don't know i just avoid politics at this point good lord yeah all right. So anyway, think about how you could plant a seed every single day, even if you're a practitioner. Um, what can you What can you do to plant a seed to try to get more to obtain more work or put yourself out there? Okay. Quick update on the development project, and then I think Lance, we got to wrap up because you got to head out. I got to catch a plane. Got to catch a plane. So our development project, what we're doing right now, um, we're getting signs. We have to. S- post a sign basically saying that we're going to have a neighborhood meeting because the neighbors have to come and, and say their input and the city will be there. So we scheduled that for a couple weeks out. Um, so right now we're getting the model, we're cleaning up the model, getting it ready for the neighborhood meeting. And then I am finishing up all the paperwork to get a final. How much do you pa- love the paperwork? I love paperwork. I love paperwork that I just entirely put it off yesterday <laughs> because I was like, I can't hold it all to myself today. I need some of it tomorrow to look forward to. It just, yeah. And the only thing I was in charge of this last week was I had to go into Photoshop. I had to make a 24 by 24 board and I had to put some words on it yep. and I had to send it to the printer and that was it. Yeah. And then I have to pick it up. Uh, I don't know how I'm doing everything, <laughs> but uh, so uh, I'm getting all those forms ready to give to the city and then they'll take a couple weeks and tell me how much are tap these taxes um, and, and other fees. And here, here's something for the listeners. If anybody has a case study that they could point me to that relates to this idea that I have. So one idea that I have to try to work, do, to create a public-private partnership on this development is, Alex and I, if we could make net zero buildings, awesome. Number one, we live in Boulder County, so it's everybody's green-oriented around here. Not that everybody isn't everywhere else, but de- definitely there's, there's a bigger, there's a bigger uh, grassroots swell here about that kind of thinking. So what I want to try to do is once we get our tap, once we know what these taffies are going to be, I want to see if we can start talking with the city and negotiating with them about reducing the amount of 
it's going to cost to get our to do tap fees, you know, electric, electrical, water, all that stuff. If we do things like, hey, we'll put in a gray water system. Um, so we and so then we'll capture more of the water that way and, and hold it in cisterns. And then B, if we put in solar and prove that we did a net zero project or even a net positive and started selling, sell, uh, sold the electricity back to the city, would they reduce our tap fees in that way? So if anybody has a case study where they've ever heard of anybody else doing that, any kind of development where there's this public-private partnership, please please email Alex or tweet us or whatever to, to show us that because I, I, I've, I've looked and I haven't found anything you know, just within a quick search. Yep. So everyone have a great weekend and we'll see you next Friday.